Hello and welcome to another episode of Brothers Creed Podcast, where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Jared. And I'm Ethan, and today we have a very personal topic to the podcast. We're going to talk about building our personal creed and why it is important for you and us to have a personal creed in your life. Um, There are so many different aspects of a creed. We're going to go through some of the definitions. We're going to go through why it's important. We're going to give some examples, and we're going to talk about how to build your own personal creed in your life. So it's going to be a good one. Let's do it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done. All right, so one of the things that I, I think is interesting and thinking about a creed which is a set of principles or beliefs that guides one's actions. If you've listened to any of our podcast episodes, you know that we say that every time. We ask all of our guests to share an example of their personal creed with us or just a snippet of their personal creed. When I think about all the creeds that are out there, you know, you think about uh, all these code of conducts throughout history. There's a you know a code of chivalry that the knights used to... Uh, um, align to or, or prescribe to. There's Bushido. We actually talk about that in one of our upcoming uh, Loyalist episodes, the Bushido, the warrior, the, the, the samurai, samurai code. code. Uh, there's something called the, a warrior ethos. That's actually, actually uh, what um, Benner Call talked about, his warrior ethos. Uh, there's, you know, the pirate's code. <laughs> he who falls behind gets left behind. <laughs> it's more of a guideline. Yeah. Uh, there's the Spartan code. There's a, a code of most martial arts have a, a code of conduct. In fact, I was looking at one. There's a code of conduct for fence people who do fencing, fencers, uh, not people who build fences. People who, people who who fence. Uh, there's a code of conduct f- in your workplace. You know, it's like we don't, uh, you know, say me- we don't do this to people. We don't discriminate against people. Like, like this is a minimum standard of ethics that we need to uh, abide, abide by, or- so that everybody is safe. Or, and respected. Uh, We've jinxed each other like twice so far. <laughs> hey, we're on the same page, man. There's the Boy Scouts of America. We talked about Boy Scouts before, but they have the Scout Oath, which is... Are you in the Scout Oath? Which one is this? So a Scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, that's friendly. A, that's a Scout Law. That's a Scout Law, yeah. yeah. Scout Oath is on my honor. I'll do, do my, my best, best to do my do duty. duty. Uh, so there's the oath there. There's the law, which is like a, a list of... Um, attributes like it goes a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful. You know, all these things uh, that come into what you should be. There's a motto is be prepared. So these different, these are different kind of creeds that are being placed on you. Also, just being a citizen of a country, you know, as Americans, we have, you know, in the Pledge of Allegiance, we, we pledge allegiance to America. And to the Republic, for which, you know, we, we do that because we are taking upon ourselves kind of a, a, a somewhat of a creed that what it be, means to be an American or a Boy Scout or a Spartan or a Samurai or a employee at Kinko's or whatever the company is, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think, and, and a creed can be, it can be so many different things. Um, 
It can be spiritual. It can be personal. It can be physical. It can be religious. You know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people have shared parts of their creed are, are religious to a certain aspect. Um, and so I had, I had kind of actually just researched, you know, creed and we kind of use that definition of creed that you shared at the beginning. Uh, but you know, some of the ones that I found was a creed is a set of beliefs or principles, opinions that strongly influence the way people live or work. Uh, a creed is a formal statement of religious belief, a confession of faith. Uh, that can be a creed as well. A creed is a system of belief, principles, and opinions. Kind of my own personal definition of what I, what a creed meant to me. What it was a creed is a compilation of principles that, when combined, defines why we make our choices. I like that. That was kind of something that that I had, good. I had put together and put that on the quote board. Yeah. So one of the things I liked was, well, why do we need a creed? And what it, what I think that it is, is it empowers people to handle ethical dilemmas by already having a system in place by which they can fall back on. So one of the things that I, a buddy that we know that we used to work with, he always said, you don't find Jesus on prom night. And what that basically means is that on prom night, you're not going to all of a sudden decide to be virtuous when you're out with your girlfriend, you know, doing who knows what you have to make. If you have had to make those decisions beforehand, uh, because you're not going to make those decisions on prom night. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what I'm talking about? If you know, you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> and so that's what a creed is, is that it's a set of beliefs that you can establish so that when you are in counter confronted with a situation that is an ethical dilemma, you already know what you're going to do because you already have those that creed as a guide, uh, and you've already made the decision on what you want to be like. Yeah, there was, um, this was months and months ago. I don't know, this is kind of right after we started the podcast. We're trying to kick in, kicking things off. We had a couple episodes under our belt, and uh, we got together, um, we actually got together and we got sushi, remember that? And um, we listened to, oh, yeah. we, we both had listened to a podcast before we um, came together, and we were kind of talking about it. And one of the principles that they were talking about was um, basically it was you don't, people don't succeed by simply just sticking with something, you know, that sticking with something always doesn't mean success, right? Uh, Working without a plan or living without a creed, I will add, is as foolish as going to sea without a compass. You can go to sea without a compass or you you can launch your boat without a sail but you're not going to get very far. You know, if you go to sea without a compass and you go out into the middle of the ocean, full steam ahead. Yeah, you can <laughs> you can sail as fast as you can in, in a certain direction, but if you don't know what direction that is, then you're just you're you're, you're to the mercy of the wind. Yep. And um yeah, you might hit land somewhere and it might be good or beneficial. Um but it's pure coincidence at that point. You know, you need some kind of guideline, some kind of code. Uh, what is what is the the quote? If you don't stand for something, then you'll fall for anything. Exactly. Who's that that said that? Was it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Who said that. Yeah, but, but I like that quote. It is. That's a good quote. Totally agree that you have to have that direction. Or I've kind of put it akin to. It's like if you're, you know, shooting like a, a, a at, if you're shooting at a target, uh, and, and there's no circles on the target, <laughs> then how do you know if you're getting where you want to go or not, you know, you, you can't just shoot and then draw the circles in, you know, that's, that's not how you grow. That's not how you become better as a man or a woman. You've got to have the target in place and then try to achieve that and then 
Um, so that's more of a goal setting. But I think goal setting and, and making goals are very tied to your creed. Uh, they are, are very similar because your goals should be a mirror, should be the action items of your creed. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick break and say thank you for listening to this episode and invite you to support us on Patreon. As a loyal supporter, you will get exclusive access to two additional episodes per month, which are not released to the public. You can find the link to our Patreon page in the episode description. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I think um, uh, one of the guests we had on, I think it was Sean, I think it was Saltwater Sean, um, uh, he was talking about he had a mentor that told him, is what you're doing is that getting you closer to your goals, right? Is, are the choices you're making, is this the choice that you make when you wake up in the morning, is that helping you get closer to your goals? If it is, then great, keep doing it. If it doesn't, if it it doesn't, then don't, don't do it, cut it out or switch it up or change it a little bit. Um, So it kind of goes along with why is it important? Because it's, they're stepping stones, right? You're not just going to go from zero to hero in, in one day, you know, it takes an yeah. enti- it takes an entire lifetime to build a creed. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that you you're not going to be doing good things or making good decisions until the end of your life. No, but that experience in that that learning new things and growing your your personal creed and set of beliefs it, it it will continue to evolve. I think it could potentially change some points too. You could believe one thing as you're growing up and then maybe you kind of you have kids or you 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 get a different understanding a different perspective of something and maybe a portion of it might change so well, i think that like the principles might stay the same though but you will grow in that like for example let's just say right now you say part of my creed is being a kind person mm-hmm. i want to show kindness to people i want to say kind words to people so maybe right now that's just simply just waving to people at work or whatever and so maybe you're at that level or or even just maybe I, I need to stop gossiping yeah so maybe it's i need to stop doing something yeah maybe it is uh but maybe down the road and that's why i say you you say like building you're building a creed is something that happens over your lifetime that doesn't mean that you're just constantly adding on attributes but you're you're working on those attributes you're so perfect over, perfecting those yeah, attributes. maybe yeah. in 10 20 years maybe you're like kindness to me looks like secretly giving a family in need, like an entire week's worth of groceries on their doorstep and a thousand dollar gift card. Like for maybe that's kindness. Maybe you're at that point where that is your kindness. I mean, yeah. that's a whole other level. Than, yeah. Maybe, than just yeah. saying hey to someone or stopping gossiping or stopping being mean. So a- as we work on these principles, you know, you see what you think, you know, like, I want to be uh, kind. I want to be brave. I want to be assertive you know that those will increase over time as you begin to work on them it's just like muscles uh, one of the quotes i love from bruce lee is he says i fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once but i fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times because he's mastered that kick just like with those attributes you talk about if you know what attributes you want uh, just continue to work on those and then like you said sometimes you might add on more as you go through life and you learn more but uh building that and then maintaining that and continuing working on it is so important. Yeah. I think that leads right into, I mean, how to build a creed. We talked about what it was. We talked about the importance of it and having that code, right? The, the, 
the code of chivalry that the knights abided by or the the code of Bushido that the samurai lived by. Um, yeah, maybe it evolved over time, but it was something that set them apart from others. The, the way that they acted was more, I don't want to say more respectable, but it was, it was held at a higher standard than just the average person. Yeah. One of the things that, one of the quotes that I like is, and I've mentioned this in several podcasts that we've done, but, uh, there's a author and speaker named Stephen Covey, and he talks about seven habits of highly effective people. And the second habit is the is called beginning with the end in mind. So if you just think about what that means, he, he says one of the best. This is one of his quotes. One of the best ways to incorporate habit two, or beginning with the end in mind, into your life is to develop a personal mission statement, like a creed. It focuses on what you want to be and do. It is your plan for success. It reaffirms who you are, puts your goals in focus, and moves your ideas into the real world. Your mission statement makes you the leader of your own life. You create your own destiny and secure the future you envision. So I, I think that this is so important to have a personal mission statement or personal creed and not just lean on the ones that have been laid on top of you, like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, U.S. citizen or a Boy Scout or an employee of X company. You need to choose what you what creed that you want because it's much more powerful when it, when it comes from within rather than someone just telling, hey, these are the set of beliefs that you need to believe in. Here you go. You're not going to believe that as much as if it were to come from you uh, personally. Yeah, I think that all of those creeds that you have been uh, held to the standard of previously potentially play a part into shaping your creed. shaping your creed. Um, th- that's one of the things that that actually I talk about in in how to build a creed is uh, sharing your creed with your family. Uh, you and I both are married and and we have four kids and our kids are still young and so the, this principle of creed is kind of their learning, right? And we're all learning together. But um, one of the things that I thought would be cool is whenever your kids become of age, they maybe understand the principle a little bit more, have each member of the family pick a a creed word or a principle that they like, that they feel that they feel they want to, uh, that they want to live their life around and then uh, create a family creed. And like we, I think we've said before, you know, put that up on the wall. And anytime that, yep. anytime that a family member, maybe it could be a teaching experience for the kids. If one of the kids in their, their, their word or their creed, their contribution to the Thomas family creed is honesty. And then maybe there's a time where they weren't very honest. And so we, we can use that as a teaching moment and say, look, your contribution to our family creed was honesty. Mm-hmm. And we are all held to that to that standard of 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 honesty, and we're 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 held to that that standard and that creed, and so we need to to live that. That's part of of how we make our decisions and how we treat others. Um, Absolutely. And so I, I think doing it that way, each child, but not only each child, but each person in the family, husband and wife, and whoever else shares, and they each take responsibility for the decisions that the family is making, and maybe. Obviously, the parents make the decisions in the family, but to be able to have kids have a, a a 
backbone in that, I guess, or like a support a part in a that. Yeah. Part in that to say, mom and dad are going to help to to to. They're going to live this way as well. We're all going to live this way, you know, together. That's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can apply a creed to your kids, and that's kind of the same thing as if a company applies their creed to you. It's not as powerful as if it comes from you. And that's exactly what you're saying. And I think putting it, like you said, putting it in a place in your home where people can see it. It's pretty powerful because you're reminded of that. Like you're looking at it and you say, okay, those are the things we believe in this house. Like we're encouraged to keep a picture of Christ in our home because if you see that picture, you're reminded of what that means. Uh, you know, people throughout all of history have held reminders of, of, of death or of, of life or of their loved ones or like, you know, like lockets you know, or rings or we all, we all wear reminders all the time. So to have a reminder in your house of what it is that you're created is, is, is so powerful uh, and, and definitely recommend that. So in talking about building a creed for me, it was, okay, well, well what is the, the principle? Um, how, how is it done? And for me, it's like when you build a brick wall, you do it one brick at a time. Um, it actually reminds me of that Johnny Cash song, One Piece at a Time. Yeah, we about that song? In the so, car, yeah. So basically, <laughs> I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell. So the, the whole premise of the song, it's a funny song. It's it's called One Piece at a Time by Johnny Cash, and he works at like a, a Cadillac dealership. And no, the factory. Not the dealership. No, no, not the dealership. He works at a Cadillac factory where they build these big, massive Cadillacs. And he started working there in like 1949. And basically, he always wanted a Cadillac that was long and black, he said. And and uh, so basically, he devised a plan. He knew he'd never be able to afford one. So he devised a plan that over the whole career of him working at this Cadillac factory, he was going to take home with him in his lunchbox one piece at a time. So, you know, he says, some days I went home with a bunch of gears in a lunchbox. And another day, you know, I got... Uh, we snuck out an engine in my buddy's mobile home, he says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, uh, so finally, like 20 years after working at this factory, they decide to, you know, he, he retires and he's like, all right, I have all the pieces I need. We're going to put this car together. And <laughs> basically it's for all of these years of all these things. And so like there's two headlights on the left and one on the right and the, the holes are all different. The holes are all different and the engines don't match. The engine doesn't match up with the, with the chassis and all that sort of kind of stuff. And so they just kind of jimmy rig this whole thing together. <laughs> and it's like this sight to be seen. Right. And yeah. his wife's like, I don't think this is going to work. And, and so finally he puts his whole car together and it works, takes it down to the car dealership or it takes it down to the, uh, to the DMV to title it. And they're like, well, what year is it? And he goes, what year is it? It's a, 40, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, right? <laughs> it goes all the way up to like the 60s and they're just, he's like, it took the whole staff to write it up. But basically the whole premise of the thing is just one piece at a time, right? He was diligent and he, I mean, guess technically stole the entire car over his career, but um, he did it one piece at a time. And then after a life journey, basically an entire career of one piece at a time, he had built something that, uh, that was admirable let's say yeah i i think that it's what you can do to start building your creed is one maybe write down a list of traits that you want to live by and then when you do that maybe transform those into some statements for example kindness let's just say kindness is as a thing that you want to exemplify in your creed you might uh take that word and you then say okay i want to put that into a statement of what that means you could say something like 
I want to, I will treat others as I wish to be treated. I will dedicate myself to acting courteously in my day-to-day interactions with others. Despite my mood or current life situation, it's important to me to have a positive impact on the people I come into contact with. Like maybe that's the statement for kindness. Um, or maybe it's, I want to stop gossiping uh, about people. And so that can obviously improve over time, but you need to make some specific action items about what that attribute is. Now, I think I've mentioned before in the podcast that what I do with my boys is every one of my goals this year is for every month for us to do a attribute of the month. And some months I do it right at the first day of the month, and some other months I do it mid-month, some months... I think one or two months, honestly, I've done it like the last week of the month uh, just because I, I just get really busy or whatever. But every month the kids are like, what's our attribute of the month? And actually they asked that last night and I was like, okay, well, um, this month it's delayed gratification. And you ever heard of the marshmallow test? Yeah. So I did the marshmallow test with them. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, here's a marshmallow. And I sat my oldest down. I was like, here's a marshmallow. Uh, you can eat it right now or I can you can not eat it and I'll come back in two minutes and give you another one. He's like, how about four? <laughs> That's now, negotiation is a different one. Yeah, he's a negotiator. He's just like me in that fact. So I'm like, no, you can have another one in, in, in two if minutes. You, if, if you, you don't, don't touch this one in two minutes. He's like, okay. He sat there the whole time. I came back in two minutes, untouched. And so I gave it to him. Uh, and then uh, I said, okay, I'll come back in two more. If you don't eat, you can eat them now. But if you wait two more minutes, then you can have a third one. He's like, okay. He just sat there for two minutes. He came back, gave him three, and he was like, yes. And so, like, he's my oldest. He's just, he's almost seven. And uh, for him, it was just so easy. And he's like, this is awesome. This is like the easiest thing ever. But like, delayed gratification is, is such an indicator of future success. Um, and, and it's very interesting. My my next oldest, he was five years old. Uh, I put him in there, and uh, I was like, all right, Jax here's a marshmallow. You can eat it now if you want, but if you don't eat it, I'll come back in two minutes. And um, I actually recorded him doing it. I'll have to post the recordings. And about two minutes in, he he takes a tiniest little snip. He just pulls the tiniest little snip off of it and puts it in his mouth. And he and then I went back in there and I said, Jax, you took a bite of it. And he's like, just a tiny snip. He's like, I didn't eat the whole thing. I'm like, buddy, it doesn't matter. You ate it. You ate some of it. And he's like, but it, the whole thing is, but ninety, but most of it's still there. <laughs> I was like, sorry, buddy. Uh, and then so the, the next two days after that, he's been asking if, he, if we can do that experiment again so that he can not <laughs> eat it so that he can get the two other ones yeah. like his brother got. Yeah. Well, my oldest one would have been like, eh, I got three and you only got one. <laughs> Like oh jeez yeah so but anyway that, that then after that we we went and watched a, a little cartoon on YouTube about what it means to be, have delayed gratification and we talked about you know they just went through that experience so I said you know what does that mean and I said Jax we watched uh, some other videos of the kids doing it I was like Jax that guy ate his early just like you did he's like yeah and I'm like well when we have delayed gratification we we talked about the benefits of that and what that means and and how he could have got other ones if he had waited so it was a really good lesson i think just building those that's how we kind of are building my creative my family right now in that manner is doing talking about an attribute a month that's awesome i really like that one one thing for me um and really i mean if, if you look at it the tenant of our podcast are motivation, experiences, and exploration. So how we are building our own personal creed is through experiencing 
or through doing more of these things. I, w- I wanted to say exploring, but that's one of, that's one of the things there. Yeah. But you know, exploring motivation and exploring, you know, having new experiences, talking with people about our own experiences and about their personal experiences and exploring new things that we would have never talked about before anyway. Yep. And so those things are helping us to build our to to build that foundation and to build up on that career as well. One thing for me and part of my my personal creed and something that I love doing is and I actually did this before we even kind of came together with the podcast, but I love quotes. I I really get inspiration from quotes and I actually have a whole notes thing in my in my phone that is just like full of quotes that I see. I see a quote and I'm like, oh man, I really like that. And so I was just gonna share just a couple of my quotes that that I kind of I scrolled through and picked some of the ones that I liked and stuff. So yeah. um these are just some that have helped me to stay motivated in my career of, or, or have, or not my career, my, my creed and has, they have helped me to maybe identify a specific principle in my creed and say, I want to live that way, right? I want to yeah. try to do it this way. So one of the ones is uh, by Robert Frost, right? The best way out is through. That's one quote that, that I kind of liked. Another Into one. the fray. Yeah. Another one, um, impatience never commanded success. That was one another one that I liked by uh, Edwin Chapin. Uh, another one, oh, this is this is one that I really like. Is do you remember that show Dual Survival or Dual Survivor? On, well, the two guys yeah. they went out in the woods. One was like a hippie guy, and the other was a hunter. It's a military guy. Yeah. yeah. So one of those guys, one of the hippie guys, I guess, was his name was Cody Lundine, and he. Basically, he he was the guy that he never wore shoes. Yeah, he just guy. walk around. He, it doesn't matter if they were in the he, if they were in the desert, he wouldn't wear shoes. If they were in the Arctic, he never wore shoes. He just put like maybe a little sock on or something like that to protect from freeze burn or whatever. But he never wore shoes. <laughs> freeze burn, <laughs> freezer frostbite. Burn. You mean? Yeah, that's what I said. Um, but one of the things that he said, and he was a minimalist, right? He said, "Knowledge is power, and it's lightweight." And so the other guy always was, you know, the military guy is always like, oh, it's all the equipment and I carry this backpack and I got to do all this. I'm just strapped down to the nines. And this other guy, he had so much knowledge just about the world around him and survival and, and he could make things out of everything. So, you know, knowledge is power and it's lightweight. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things that, that, I, that I had. But there's just a couple quotes that, that I really liked. The last one. Um. The uh, from the movie The Patriot, right? Do you remember um, when his son goes and joins the army, and he's like the Joker, yeah, Heath Ledger. Yeah, Heath Ledger. So he goes and joins the army, and and his his dad, Mel Gibson, he he doesn't. He's kind of delaying, and then there's all the stuff that happens, and um, somebody, um, I think it's the son. He says uh, that he. He says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, or something like that. And and the dad says, uh, you have done nothing for which to be ashamed. I have done nothing, and for that I am ashamed. So basically he's telling his son, hmm. you've done nothing to be ashamed of. But he was retrospectively looking at himself and saying, I have done nothing, and for that I am ashamed. And so that, huh. that quote has always really stuck with me. And um, just... 
it, number one, procrastination, right? And number two, just inaction. There has been so many experiences for me personally that I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, I need to do that. I need to get that done. And then I'll delay or whatever else. And then the time will pass and then it'll be like, oh, I got one day to do it. And then it just kind of doesn't work out or it falls through or something like that. And it's, yeah. man, if I would have done that right when I thought about it, then then it, it would have been so much better. And so that's that's actually one of the parts of my own personal creed and what I've kind of tried to build around is, uh, I don't know if you want to call it diligence or action or whatever it may be, but whenever I am prompted to do something or whenever I get an idea to do something, to not say, oh, I'll do it later, to try to just, just do it now. Yeah. It, it might take five minutes to do it or maybe it take longer, but just do it because if you don't, then you'll potentially regret it. And I hate regret. Yeah, absolutely. Those are, those are really good quotes. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. I'd love to hear more of those. Um, one of the things that I actually have an example of kind of a personal creed or like a rule uh, that is kind of controversial, actually. And I'm kind of torn on this, but I'd, I'd love to discuss it with okay, you. let's do it. So this is called the Billy Graham Rule. Have you ever heard of this? No. The Billy Graham Rule. I've heard so, of Billy Graham. So Billy Graham is a big, he was a big uh, evangelist, uh, pastor, really big, kind of in the 90s. I, I don't really, he, he was big here in Charlotte, at least. Uh, but I think he was big nationwide. Um, in fact, uh, yeah, Really big, probably in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I think Franklin Graham was his dad, right? No, Franklin Graham is his son. Oh, so Billy, Billy Graham is a dad. So Billy Graham was earlier, yeah, was probably yeah. 70s, 80s. He was like a TV preacher type, yeah. type thing. So um, there, his rule is to avoid spending time alone with women to whom they are, he is not married. Or to whoever, if, the idea is don't spend time alone with a woman that you're not married to. Yeah. So... President, former president, vice president Mike Pence, he kind of took this on. Uh, he, he his rule was to never eat alone with a woman other than his wife, uh, and that he wouldn't attend events featuring alcohol without her by his side. And so, there's a lot of different angles to this. Um, let's talk about the the pros, and then we'll talk about the cons. Some of the pros are that you know maybe he's it's in the sense of like, I don't want to be put into a situation where I'm flirting with another woman or my wife's not there or my wife wouldn't approve of something that I'm saying. Or also in light of a lot of the recent uh, Me Too movements, it's like yeah. almost like a liability I protection type of accused thing. of something. I don't want to be alone with a woman in a conference room alone because if her feelings turn sour, even if it's... We're, we're, amiable right now if her feelings turn sour against me who knows what she could say against me or who knows what innocent thing if i if we're talking and i'm, I'm like oh and i touch her on the shoulder that might be perceived later down the road as being inappropriate so uh and if even if you have if you have another person there now he didn't say it just says alone so I, i'm sure that if mike pence was out to lunch with you know three people another guy and a woman then it would be fine but it's just like he didn't want to be alone with someone else and so that those are kind of the pros, and I can, I can see why that would be. Uh, some of the cons, though, I, I do understand as well. It, I mean, just to put yourself in the shoes of a woman, and you're in a company, and you're trying to network. Uh, a lot of the senior uh, leaders are males, and you're like, "Hey, I'd like to network with you. Maybe can we go out to lunch?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going out to lunch with you." 
and you're like, man, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get the same opportunity as another guy would because you would go out to lunch with a guy, but you're not going out to, with lunch with me because I'm specifically a woman. Yeah. I worked at a company once where I knew there was a, it was right out of school and it was me, uh, the, the owner of the company and this woman who's a secretary. And she said that when she was hired, she wasn't hired by the owner. She was kind of hired by a part owner that wasn't really involved in the day-to-day of the business. And so she came in and she's like, oh, I'm here now to be your secretary with the own, with, with the other part owner that was really the main one in the office. And he was like, what? You know, and, and he was like, oh, man, like, I can't believe this. And, you know, we should, and like, he said that on her first day, he was like, uh, in the morning, like, his mom like was going through some kind of tough things. So he started crying about that. Uh, and then she was like, this is really weird. This guy's crying. And then he's like, well, we have to go to the client meeting. He's like, well, maybe we should drive separately. No, maybe we should just drive together. Cause then we can talk on the way there. Maybe we should drive separately. She was like, I can drive separately if you want. And he's like, well, I, I guess we'll just drive together. Cause that way we can talk. And he said that while they were in the car, he started crying again because he's like, oh, we shouldn't have done this. You know, we, we shouldn't be in the car together like this. We shouldn't be driving together like this. We were alone in the car. And then she she's like, Kurt, she's like, dude, this is my first day on the job and you've already cried twice. You need to get it together. And I just felt so bad for her. I'm like that. Like from her perspective, I could see that. I was like, well, like what does this guy think that he's just like such a stud that like any girls can just absolutely lose her control or that you know that is kind of a, a thought that, about that it. was almost more unprofessional than i mean she wasn't being unprofessional at all no she he, wasn't what he was doing was very unprofessional oh totally in fact he told her he's like oh i wanted oh like a walrus type girl for the front office not you i mean she was a very attractive uh single mom uh and i'm like dude come on man and that was really frustrating to me because she was a very kind person. She was a great person. In fact, I, I still follow her on social media today. She's a great person. And I'm like, man, that is very hard. But I can kind of see it from, I don't know, like I said, I can see it from both angles. But it's an interesting it's an interesting topic. And I know Mick Pence has definitely been kind of uh, blasted on, on this. Obviously, there's there, there's some different angles on it. And I can see both sides of it. But this is an example of of, of a creed or or a, a rule that he lives by, a personal rule that he lives by, uh, to maybe prevent him uh, against you know infidelity or or something like that. One of the arguments I did see that is when people say that when you make one on one interactions with the opposite sex like fearful or um, you know ta- or like taboo, then when you do have those, it, 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 occasionally it. it it makes it like a sexual thing. Yeah, it, I think that awkwardness, if you make it awkward, can be perceived as like some kind of weird tension that can make the other person feel uncomfortable. And yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, I think it's it's definitely hard to to. I mean, because I work with a lot of women as well, and a lot of my managers have been women throughout my career. And I mean, I you know you have to have one on one. Meetings with your manager. I mean, I guess you could say, no, I don't feel comfortable meeting with you alone. We need to have another person. But, I mean, that's kind of like... That's I mean, weird. Be, yeah, that'd be kind of yeah. weird. Well, yeah, it's just hard. You know, I, I, I'm, I think that women should be treated like men in the workplace. I mean, I, I've been in a couple of situations where a woman has... 
I've gone out to lunch. I went out to lunch with, you know, I had a manager and uh, we went out to lunch once and she was a female. Uh, went out with another uh, gal who was kind of, a, I was in this mentorship program and uh, she was an older lady that was kind of uh, wanted to mentor somebody at the company and I was kind of new and I was like, you know, I wanted an older mentor that could help me, that I could just ask questions to that I wouldn't ask my manager, you know, about like pay yeah. skills and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, we went out to lunch and she was very kind uh, and I'm glad that I had that relationship with her. But I was very always very open with my wife and communicated to her who I'm going out with, what I'm doing. And I, I think that generally my wife would, it's it's just a very tough question to ask because my wife is like, well, I, I don't want you going out to lunch with girls, you know, on its surface. But uh, then uh, I I, w- I, kinda, I could you know you kind of turn around and say, well, like, well, you know, they I might not get opportunity if I had that rule. Maybe I'm not getting the oppor- networking opportunities, or maybe the other women aren't getting network opportun- networking opportunities. So it's such like a a collision of like maybe an old school mentality with with some reason I can see with like a new school, like equal rights uh, mentality, but you can't deny the fact that women and men are attracted to each other. And that doesn't mean always, but it's just a hard thing. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's definitely balanced. I think the number one thing that you said is communication. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember one time I was in college and we had this, like we I was in this group and in this group there was, um, there was, four of us and three guys, three guys and one girl. And we had to go on this retreat with our class. And, um, then on the way and, and I drove and on the way back, you know, two of the guys lived in the apartment in the same apartment on one side of town. And then on the other side of town, it was like, I don't know, like five minutes away. The, the girl lived, but the guys, I had to drop the guys off first for some reason. And then now I was alone in the car with this girl that was, you know, my age and we were in college or whatever. I was married. Actually, she was married as well. But, uh, yeah, I actually texted my wife and was like, Hey, um, you know, I need to take this girl home. I'm going to be in the car alone with her for five minutes or so until I drop her off at her house. And then, you know, I'll be right home. And it was just that communication. I mean, my wife saw some, and so she was just kind of like, okay, you know, all right, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a big deal. Um, Anyway, that doesn't do much of the creep, but I thought that was just an interesting thing we could discuss. Yeah. So I had, uh, so I had a story. Um, you know the story of Beowulf. Be- this, yeah. I do so so Beowulf, Beowulf, right? Beowulf was a guy. Um, I kind of want to go into a little bit of the, the 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 story of it in the background, but basically this is like an old old poem from like the, you know, I don't know forty. I don't know, sometimes like medieval times, maybe actually before that, way before that. And it was just, uh, it's a it's a p- fictional poem that was written. But basically, I like this one portion of it. They actually made a movie out of it as well. Um, With Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. But it was a weird movie. It was like, it was CGI. An, it was like an animated movie, but it was like CGI realistic. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a good movie though. But basically there was this, uh, The King of the Danes, uh, his, his lands were being terrorized by this monster named Grendel. And Grendel was like this this giant who um, was was really ugly and just and, and was deformed and all this different kind of stuff. And basically that it was terrorizing the land and was was uh, uh, 
killing people and, and, and killing sheep and all this sort of kind of stuff and, and, and cattle and burning houses and just causing wreaking havoc on this on the, on the whole land. And so the king basically put out this decree and, and, and called warriors to come and to, you know, kill this monster. And nobody volunteered but this one man, this one young man named Beowulf. And uh, he stepped forward and said, I will kill the monster. And so the story goes, he uh, gets his group of guys together and they go out and they, um, they go to this one massive hall that is always, uh, basically it's, it's kind of always a, a, a terror point for this Grendel monster that's going around. And so they kind of bait this monster into coming in and attacking the this this big hall, this big building that they're in. And uh, Beowulf, he actually, he decides to fight the monster without any weapons or any shields at all. And so he's just going to just straight hand to hand. Um, so he ends up fighting this monster and they have this big epic battle and then... Um, Basically, what happens at the end is he ends up uh, ripping one of the arms off of this beast, and he rips its arm off, and then it runs into, uh, it runs back to where it's it, its cave or whatever, and and it dies. Um, but in the movie, I really like this part in the movie. In the movie, it's like the end of the battle, and he's running around, and he's uh, just getting this this monster or whatever and he he has actually pinned up against the door and it's in its arm is like locked in the door and he's pulling on its arm and um right before he rips the arm off he says this line um and this is i guess just how it was translated so uh, but he says he says um i am ripper i am thrasher i am slasher i am gouger I am the teeth in the darkness, the talons in the night. Mine is strength and lust and power. And he goes, I am Beowulf. And he rips the the monster's <laughs> arm off. Nice. Right? And so it's just this epic accumulation of what it is. But basically, the whole thing of what I wanted to say in sharing this story was that little line that he said at the end of this epic battle that he had with this monster, right? I am ripper, thrasher, slasher, gouger. I am teeth in the darkness. I am talons in the night. Mine is strength and power. That was like his personal creed. Sounds like something out of Game of Thrones. The watchers on the wall, yeah, the protectors of the, <laughs> the night. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> night's watch. Um, but that was like his creed. You know, that, that was what he lived by. And so um, really it was, this was... Um, his the part of the story. One of the themes of the story is this his, this heroic code, and the heroic code it, it for Beowulf was consisted of this extreme loyalty and this pride in his people and his his group, who he was with, and his his abilities, and then his glory. Or not his glory, but glory of, of, of whatever. And so, um, you know, whether or not I agree with every single aspect of his creed, it was just kind of cool to me because it was like everything he did was built around this creed. And it was like his mantra. I mean, he repeated it in the middle of a battle before he ripped somebody's arm off because he's like, this is just, this is who I am. This is 
why I make my decisions. This is why I do what I do. It's almost like his his battle cry. I it's like it kind of cool. Yeah, that's way cool. Have you heard that? Uh, I don't know if it's a poem or a quote or something. It, it says like, "Fate turns to the warrior and says a storm is coming." The warrior says, "I am the storm." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or it's like um, it's like that thing that uh, I. I actually I sent you the other day. It was this uh, this military guy, and he was. Uh, it looked like I don't know if he was a general, but he was a very de- decorated officer, and he was talking about uh, war, and he was saying, um, "We have seen war." He said, "We do not want war. We will avoid war if we can." But he said, "But if we can't, I can promise you that someone else." will raise your sons and daughters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, boom. That was, that was awesome. I was like, that's roasted, man. Like, you don't want to come up against me because you'll be done. Yeah. And so, I don't know. That was just kind of a, a cool story that yeah. I, has always kind of stuck with me. And and actually, it, it kind of influenced me into almost building like a, a sentence mantra or a sentence creed for me that I can like memorize and and talk about and say, tell myself and, and everything else. Maybe in a day where I need some help or on a day where, you know, maybe I need some motivation or I need whatever else, you know, I don't know. I am the, I am the watcher on the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am the talons in the night, the teeth in the darkness. So, yeah, that's cool. I like that. What we'll the, I'll have to make, I'll have to make, we'll have to make sentences like that. I don't have one right now, but yeah, I do have a kind of a little quote though. Uh, and this is kind of just in general about building, uh, just about your creed. Uh, this is something just kind of an echo of what I said previously, but this is a little more succinct. I said, there are many organizations, people, and institutions that will try to push a creed onto you. Be mindful of what creeds you allow to affect your own creed. A personal creed will guide you to your person, guide you to the person you want to become. So make sure whatever influences are whispering in your ear are in line with those beliefs. That's awesome. Um, that kind of reminded me. Uh, I had another sh- story I could share. Do you remember? Um, do you remember the the show Boy Meets World? Yeah. So uh, we didn't have cable growing up, so we didn't always. I thought get to Boy watch Meets Boy World, World for the long. I thought Boy Meets World and Even Stevens was the same thing for the <laughs> longest time. No, Even Stevens I think was just outside of our generation. Like, yeah, it was. just outside of you and I. But. Um, so basically, Mr. Feeney, right? He's like their teacher and their neighbor. Yeah. Right. So Mr. Feeney, this is the last episode. This is kind of the whole culmination. They're all older. They're all getting ready to graduate from high school. And this teacher had been with them through their whole school career, I guess. And he was sitting in their classroom, and there's four or five of these kids, the main characters, and they're sitting in this classroom. And he's kind of giving them one last life speech. And I can't remember exactly all, all what it says, but he kind of says some things like, you know, believe in yourself, dream, try, uh, try new things. But the one thing that has always stuck out to me that I always remember in that one line, I don't actually don't even remember any of the other show, uh, maybe one episode here and there, but he said, uh, he goes, do good. And then one of the, the, the smart girls, Topanga, I think her name was, and she was like, she was like, oh, you mean don't you mean do well? Because that's like the grammatical correct way of like, like do well. And he was like, no, I don't mean do well. I mean, do good. Like do good things. Yeah. And that always stuck with me because 
you always get corrected when you use the word good and well. And, oh, it's well, not good. But in this specific instance, it was do good, like do good things. And that always stuck with me. And that's kind of how that has been another thing that's added to my own personal career or <laughs> career, I keep saying career, my own personal creed. And then one, one of the other kids says, well, I think I'm going to be a decent person that cares about others. And that's your fault. This <laughs> 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 is what he tells the teacher. And then he you know, gives him a hug and stuff. But uh, the last quote that I had, and this is actually a quote that I had, had, had put together after studying these things, uh, says, building your personal creed is a journey that will take a lifetime. Cling onto what is good and let it guide you. Enjoy the journey. That was my kind of my yeah my quote on uh, on building a personal creed and why it's important. I love that. I I feel like we blasted our audience with so many quotes and so many motivational <laughs> things that they're just like overwhelmed right now. They're just like, man, I, I got to re-listen to this episode because there's just so much. Would you be okay with that? Yeah, uh, you know, it's just. Heck, I'll, I'll probably listen. Well, usually I don't listen to the episodes because I literally was here talking to you about it. But this might be one I'll go back and listen to again, just because I think there's so many good things that you know to have these in my mind would be great uh, on a regular basis. So uh, I, again, everyone, uh, you know, we we're going to be posting a lot of this stuff on social media. Uh, maybe I'll post some different creeds, and, and you guys can guess where where they're from. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, definitely follow us there. Active on Instagram, active on TikTok and Facebook as well. Yeah. You can um, watch the this uh, on YouTube as well if you want to watch the video of the podcast or you just want to have it playing in the background while you're doing whatever. So we're there as well. Drop us a, a like, a subscribe, leave us a comment. We appreciate all the feedback that we get. It's it's always great to, to hear from, from listeners. Yeah. And check out our Patreon. You know, yeah. we've... Uh, the loyalist, uh, we have one tier. It's the loyalist, five bucks a month, and you get two extra episodes. And we do put a lot of energy and time into researching those episodes, and uh, as well as the the archive of existing episodes, which is continuing to build. So, and you get a great, and you get a Brothers Creed sticker, yeah, a, dec- a decal sticker, a nice so. decal sticker. So, we'd love to if you guys uh, would love to support us and get those extra episodes. We'd be we'd be delighted. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been great. Let's build this creed that we have learned about today. Let's build it together. Let's do it.